Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everybody. It is Saturday in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My name is Adam Bittner, assistant sports editor for multimedia at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, joined for our weekly NFL mock draft tracker video by Christopher Carter, host of the North Shore Drive podcast. Uh, Chris, how are you? Lots to talk about this week. Absolutely. Lots to talk about all the time. But, you know, whenever we're starting our preliminary draft research, it's always good to kind of list out our notes and see where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. I checked in with Ray Fittipaldo on the first uh, mock draft tracker video last week. So if you missed that, make sure you check it out. And I'm going to get Chris's thoughts on um, needs and, and kind of where the Steelers stand going into both free agency and draft season. So a lot to talk about. Uh, we're also going to talk about Jared Johnson as a potential candidate for the Steelers at offensive coordinator. We've reported Uh, that he'll be interviewing uh, with the Steelers. So I'm going to get Chris's reaction to that. Before I do, just want to remind you that our primary sponsor for this episode and every episode of the Steelers Mock Draft Tracker video is Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. There's no better place to get new windows and doors doors installed in your home than Pella, who can help you save on energy costs year-round. Schedule a free in-home consultation with your local Pella Windows and Doors to find the right product for your home and budget. Give them a call at 866-593-1560 to discuss your project further. That's 866-593-1560. To get started planning on your new windows and doors installation with Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh, um, Chris, I'm, let's let's start with the Jared Johnson uh, report. He is the quarterbacks coach for the Houston Texans. Um, obviously, worked closely with C.J. Stroud this season. Helped him get a nice launch to his NFL career. What are your thoughts on uh, his candidacy? Um, maybe in regard, you know, in comparison to some of the names we've already heard, like Zach Robinson, Cliff Kingsbury, etc. You know, I think that he he brings an interesting look. And the thing is that I think is that he is he's probably the more raw of the guys that they've that we know that they've 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 talked to or planned to talk to. Um, you know, Thomas Brown spent years in Sean McVay's system uh, with the with the Rams. Cliff Kingsbury's been a head coach. Um, you know, Zach Robinson has spent years in Sean McVay's system. Uh, and this isn't a to say that they shouldn't pick Gerard Johnson, but he only had one year as the quarterback's coach for the Texans. He was an assistant quarterback's coach for a year with the Vikings. Before that, he was a quality control coach for the Colts. Um, and, and listen, Gerard Johnson could end up being the guy. I mean, he certainly deserves credit for things that he did. But I think what the Steelers are trying to do with this interview is probably to figure out, all right, let's see, you know, how much, you know, when, you know, how much we can glean from just talking to him. What did he bring to the table? What, how does he challenge quarterbacks? You know, things, things like that. Um, it, this might also be kicking to the tires to see like, okay, you know, if we, if, if we wanted to consider him in the future, you know, let's, what if we could get in with him now and see where things, you know, are in another two, three years, you know, down the line. Um, so I, I like Gerard Johnson. I think that I've heard some good things about him. Um, but you know, I think if the Steelers, the Steelers, you know, Mike Tomlin said uh, when he was when he was asked about the offensive coordinator search was, you know, I hey, like, you know, we want to you know, we'd prefer experience, but it's not required. Uh, none of the guys they've announced have like experience being offensive coordinator like that in the NFL. You know, Zach Robinson, he's been a quarterbacks coach slash uh, offensive uh you know, pass game coordinator. Uh, you know, Cliff Kingsbury literally has never been an offensive coordinator. He's been a head coach in college in the pros, and that's it. Um, and then, uh, and then Gerard Johnson, you know, he's also, uh, you know, he, he's 
just he just got there. And then Thomas Brown, he has one year of being an offensive coordinator and it didn't go well. So, um, you know, and I'll say, you know, he faced a lot of adversity in Carolina because that whole situation with Frank Reich and, you know, the, the uh, you know, David Tepper, that was just a maddening situation. I don't know. I don't think there's many coordinators who would do well there with a rookie quarterback, a terrible offensive line and the lack of weapons that they had there. Um, but. Uh, yeah, it's interesting to see the candidates that they've rolled out first because it, it kind of shows me that they're they're, they're looking for the younger guys. Um, but I, I expect in the next week or two, you're going to see a lot uh, a, a, a wider variety of guys start to get interviewed. Um, and I think some of them might even be on teams that are competing in the playoffs right now. Yeah, um, I, I think that's probably true, Chris. And uh, you know what? Listen, I, I don't mind a long search. We get to talk about these guys, different people, what they could bring to the table. Uh, definitely helps us in these cold days of January fill the content hole a little bit. So um, glad to get your take on on Johnson. Let's move on to the purpose of the video, which is the mock drafts that we see across the internet this week. Um, you know, if you haven't watched any of these videos before, that's that's pretty much the purpose. We I do a written version of the mock draft tracker that goes on postgazette.com. I look at, I don't know, probably 10, 15 mock drafts a week. I pick out the ones I find most interesting write about them, react to them a little bit. And then we do that in video form for you as well. So um, that's kind of our purpose here. Chris, the, the big headline for me this week, Amarius Mims was from Georgia, the offensive tackle, was picked by three pretty heavy hitters in the mock draft industry. Uh, Josh Edwards from CBS and both Bucky Brooks and Daniel Jeremiah of NFL.com. Um, his name popped up last week as well. So I've seen him in, in four mocks that I've, I've ended up writing about. I don't think I've seen anyone else in two. Um, so he is, is you know, I'm not going to say a consensus pick. We're far too far too early in the process to have consensus, but he's definitely a trendy pick for the Steelers early on. Um, what are your thoughts on on him and, and how he stacks up in terms of this team's needs? So I like Amarius Mims for certain things. I've watched a few of his games uh, to try to just ascertain what he is, and I'm still, like, very early in my draft analysis process, like, it's going to take time for me to even build a big board. But the things that I've noted from Marius Mims, you know, when I watched him go up against Alabama, you know, he's an inexperienced guy, much like Broderick Jones was out of Georgia. You know, he only has a certain amount of starts and he has a great frame, 6'7", 340. You know, that's that's the build you want for an offensive tackle. Uh, he looks the athletic part. But one thing Alabama was trying to do when they matched up with them in the SEC championship game was they were trying to run stunts his way. They were trying to confuse him, see if they could catch him, you know, staring too long at the wrong guy. And the times that they ran it against him, he didn't even flinch. He was just like, that that guy's going this way. Oh, I got the I got the outside guy going that, that way. Um that that showed maturity and that showed you know preparedness. Uh, if he's if he's a, if he's very coachable, I, I I see a lot of upside with this guy. I see a guy who you know he looks strong, he looks athletic, he, he shows good feet at times, kind of like Broderick Jones. There's time. It's funny. There's a lot of similarities similarities to Broderick Jones. I see a lot of times where like he could finish a little bit better and like finish with a bigger with a better drive, but. Um, but like he kind of he kind of stops because there's a lot of times when he's facing certain guys that he's big and strong enough that he doesn't have to do those things. And those are the things that you have to work with as a coach. Um, you know, Broderick Jones, there were times there were times even in the NFL where he didn't have to necessarily finish with a good foot drive to crush somebody. He was just that strong. Um, and you cut, but you kind of want those guys sometimes because when they show the high upside as well as the ability to embrace game plans, to understand what teams are trying to do to throw you off. 
that shows that you're coachable. It shows that you can learn. Uh, and if Kirby Smart speaks speaks highly of a guy, I, I consider that a big endorsement. I haven't heard him say the things about Mims that I heard him say about Broderick Jones. But again, I'm just starting my draft process. I'm sure when Georgia does their pro day, uh, we'll hear some of those quotes. Um, and uh, that would certainly be up there. If the Steelers got Amarius Mims in the first round, I don't think there would be too many complaints because then you could take either him or Broderick Jones at left and right. And you're bringing, basically bringing two of the, you know, the bigger, stronger members of Georgia's offensive line over the last two years in onto your offensive line to fix a key position of need. Uh, and then you, you, you could probably, you could relegate Dan Moore to being like the, the swing tackle backup guy in case one of them goes down or one of them isn't ready for whatever reason. And maybe it's Mims if he takes time to adjust to the NFL, but I like Mims. I think that he's a good player, uh, you know, that I've, that I've at least looked at. Uh, in fact, it was, Funny, uh, I was looking at him while we were on our Durham trip, just like studying some film because I was because I, I, I liked the things that I was reading about him. Uh, but I think he would be a good addition and someone the Steelers definitely will be bringing in for a visit uh, when they start that process as well. Do you think that that comparison to Roderick Jones is is the reason for for so much of this this early heat that he's getting with regard to the Steelers? If he was the if he was the tackle for like I don't know like Washington State, would we be having the same conversation about him, or, or how do you see that? Well, I mean, maybe, maybe it's tough to say that sometimes, you know, I do agree with this. SEC offensive linemen get looked at closer simply because of the track record of that conference and the things that they're up against. When you dominate in a, in a league like that, people are going to turn their heads a little bit faster. But, you know, like Tyler Talese Fuaga, he's at Oregon State. He has a good build. He's pretty athletic. Um, he's pretty raw at, at some things, and people are talking about him in a similar way. So I wouldn't necessarily say – it's just because of Broderick Jones, but I do think the Georgia profile certainly helps Mims get a lot get noticed a lot faster. Uh, the same way Broderick Jones did, you know, Broderick Jones played at, you know, Washington State or you know, Mount Western Uni. Who knows? But like, if, if if they play, if he played somewhere else, he wouldn't get noticed as fast. But that's why he got noticed as fast, and that's why players like the, these guys go to Georgia because they know not only will they play winning football, but they're going to be playing in a place where NFL scouts are all staring at you every single week. So when you beat a guy from Alabama or Auburn, it's going to matter a lot more than if you beat a guy from, I don't know, name a random school. <laughs> You mentioned Fuaga. He was another person I wrote about this week. Um, similar, really has the great size and athleticism profile. Um, obviously, Olu Fashnu from Penn State is, is obviously in this first tackle conver- first tackle off the board conversation as well. Um, what do you like about Fuaga, I guess, A? And then B, is he a good example of how this is a, a pretty deep tackle class and that um, you know maybe the Steelers at the very least are not going to have to reach up to get the guy that they want this year like they did last year trading up to get Broderick Jones? I do agree with that. I think this is a deeper tackle tackle class. I also think because of the the quarterbacks that are that are going to be coming in this draft class, you're going to see some of those guys get pushed down a little bit further. Um, you know, I, I think that Fuaga. It's it's interesting to see the rankings of the tackles. Like everyone kind of puts Fashanu at Penn State at, at first, and I, I agree. Like he's he's a beast. Then you got Joe Alt. Uh, you know, from Notre Dame, they're kind of there. But after that, it starts to get really dicey with who everyone thinks is the third best guy. Some think that Alabama's tackle, J.C. Latham, is the third best guy. Some think it's Amarius Mims. Some think it's Fuaga. Some think it's, you know, Guyton from, from Ola, Ola, Oklahoma. This is a good class to want an offensive tackle in the first round. And I know some Steelers fans are probably thinking, what about center? 
this isn't there's no there's no Marquise Pouncey in this class that makes me say like man that's a first round guy you better go get him uh I think there's you know Jackson Powers Johnson I think that he could be a guy in the uh in, in the second round that if he's around that's a perfect fit for what the Steelers need and you can double up an offensive line and kind of set the tone like you know what this team has gotten a center and two offensive tackles they've got two veteran guards that's your offensive line for the foreseeable future. And, you know, maybe you go back and get a guard and free agency. If, if you know, uh, say Omalu or Daniels, you know, age out or don't or want too much money or something. But uh, I think that getting a tackle in this class would be good. But as for, in terms of Fuaga, um, the thing I again, I haven't studied him too up close yet. Like I've only seen like clips and th- things here and there. I still haven't like sat down and watched a whole game of his yet. But Fuaga, with it, the things that stay that stand out to me is that this guy want, is a road grader. He wants to bully you. He bullies you fast, and he gets down downhill. Now, again, at Oregon State, a little bit easier to do that there with his with his level of competition than say in the SEC. But that's fine. I, if, I, if I'm if I'm a if I'm a coach, if I'm offensive line coach, if I want road graders, if I want goons, as Mike Tomlin described to Keanu Benton uh, going into last season, uh, I want guys that are bullies. I want guys that that pick on that pick on everyone else on the field. And Fuaga, if he's that. That would be a huge thing there. Now, I will say that I think that Fuaga is a bit more raw than uh, compared to men's when it comes to pass protection. There's times where I think that he, you know, has a little bit more of the mental lapses, but that also could be, you know, the about the talent around you. You know, Fuaga's not going to be around. Like, there's other guys that, that, that play for Georgia, like Cedric Van Pran. He's going to be a drafted center this year uh, from Georgia's off- offensive line. Um, you know, it's easier to to be more coordinated and more on top of your stuff when you have that many other really high level players around, around you, because you know that you can trust them. Fuaga, you know, at Oregon state probably didn't have those kind of talents around him. So that's something that I'll take into note there and not punish him too harshly. But I think if Mims or Fuaga are sitting there at 20 and the Steelers uh, you know, are are one want, want the tackle, and they don't. There's not like a superstar corner like McKintree or someone else out there. I think the Steelers will be licking their chops, and be like, you know what? We get our pick of the litter, boys. And like you said, they wouldn't have to trade up to even go get that player. Yeah, I think that'd be a, a big asset for them, Chris. One of the things that stuck out to me in this this offensive line conversation, um, Josh Edwards, in writing about Mims specifically, said I think his words were uh, the Steelers' defensive line is very healthy. Um, I had Ray on here last week. He vehemently disagreed with that. Um, I disagree with it. I I think you probably disagree with it, Um, which is not to discount. Listen, you you did a solid job in bringing Keanu Benton in here. Mm -hmm. Um, You do have veterans and Larry Ogunjobi and Cam Hayward that people know, but I think there's, there's obviously questions about both of those guys in the latter half of that conversation. DeMarvin Leal, Isaiah Loudermilk have not panned out the way the Steelers had hoped. Um, I'm I'm uh, an early theme that's sticking out to me is, is nationally defensive line does not seem to be considered a, a position of need for the Steelers. But I think locally, um, you know, we we all feel differently. W- where do you think that disconnect is coming from? I, I think part of it is assumptions when people look at the Steelers roster, because here's the thing. If you're when, when you're national, sometimes you have to gloss over things. Sometimes you, you it's it's too much to to sit there and stare at teams the way that we stare at the Steelers, you know, every single day. So like, you know, you're going to miss things like that. And if you're sitting there, you're like, well, you're, you're probably looking at the roster and you're probably thinking, yeah, defensive line's fine. They got Cam Hayward still. They got Larry Ogunjobi. He's a good vet. And Keanu Benton had a really good year. Why would they need another defensive lineman? But people probably didn't notice like, you know, hey, Cam Hayward is about to turn 35 and he's dealt with injuries all season long. Probably didn't notice Larry Ogunjobi 
you know, he had good games and I think he was solid, but he's a $13 million cap hit next year with just being solid. You need to be better than solid for $13 million a year. And then behind him, you know, you might think, oh, well, DeMarvin Leal, uh, he looked good last year and he did, they probably didn't know that he was a healthy scratch for like the, sec- the second half of the season for most of, for the most part. Um, so I, I could see those being glossed over, uh, but uh, and also because there's obvious needs the Steelers have on the offensive side of the ball. People are going to look at still look at quarterback for the Steelers. People are going to look at center and offensive tackle for the Steelers, and they're going to look at cornerback. You know, so I think it might be a situation where they're like, you know what, they can they can hold out there for another se- season. But I, I agree with you that defensive line needs to be just as much in play as offensive tackle and center. Um, and it's funny when I've done like some different mock drafts machines and, and, and the Steelers get to 20, there's been a lot of situations where Jazan Newton out of Illinois has fallen to 20. And I'm like, brother, that happens. They're running to the podium and taking that guy because he looks like a killer in the middle of it, in the middle of the defense. Um, and if you could have a guy like Newton and a guy like Betton as your two defensive interior defensive linemen for the foreseeable future, you don't you're not as pressed about when Cam Hayward's going to retire, whether it's after next season, the season after that, because I think you got two young dogs who are going to be problems in the middle of your defense, which that's a big part of what has built up the Steelers in their best years was when Hayward and Tuit were just evil in the middle part of their defense they haven't had they, they, Hayward has been was very good this year and the two seasons before that he was evil uh but they need guys to be those complete disruptors that take over everything uh so if they got a Newton to follow them that'd be great now after Newton that's a tougher situation you know I think that there's uh you know there's guys out there like Byron Murphy uh Chris Jenkins out of out of uh, out of Michigan um but they're not as like obviously dominant like this is gonna this is an interesting year for defensive tackle in the draft so um if if a guy like that falls go get him but I also think the value of when they could get a defensive lineman might conflict with what might be the most opportunity uh, opportunistic thing for them to do uh because like again like you run you run it when i when i've run the average mock draft and again these are mock draft simulators they're not the real deal it's just things but when i've just been doing that to just mess around almost every time there's a jc latham there's an amarius mims there's a tidy fuaga there's one of those three there and i'm just like the odds that one of these guys are going to fall seems to be much higher that they'll get what they able to get one of those tackles on the offensive side of the ball than one of those tackles on the defensive side of the ball but doesn't mean they should overlook the position Chris, we're going to talk about some cornerbacks next. Before we do, just want to thank another sponsor, Pitt Johnstown. It's a Pitt quality education with up-close and personal learning. Top-ranked Northeast Public College by U.S. News and World Report. Generous scholarships and financial aid are available. Located on 655 picturesque acres. Easy access to city center, shopping, and dining. With a vibrant campus life and active D2 athlete community, you should definitely check out Pitt Johnstown. Um, Mel Kuyper Jr. checked in with what I thought was a, a very interesting pick. I found myself in recent years feeling like Mel Kuyper's been off in his assessment with the Steelers, mm-hmm. uh, has not quite been the guy that, you know, his his title as like the original draft guru he hasn't really held up with me in, in terms of the guys he's picked for the Steelers the last couple of years. This this time he he targeted Kamari Lassiter from Georgia, the, the Georgia cornerback. I found that quite interesting because, as he noted, I know where you're getting at here. <laughs> he, as he noted, Joey Porter, he, this, he said Kamari Lasseter only had one interception, which is what do we spend like, I don't know, a month, two months, three months talking about last year, Chris, was Joey Porter Jr. did not get interceptions. Yep. And then he isolated, well, guess how few times this guy was targeted? I think it was like nine, or he only allowed nine receptions when targeted or when he was the closest player to the ball, yeah. which again, 
tracked very closely to me with what you know what the conversations we had about Joey Porter Jr. Mm-hmm. Do you find Kamari Lasseter interesting as as a possible you know s- similar player to, to Joey Porter Jr.? I think he's a little smaller, um, doesn't quite have the size that Joey Porter Jr. has, but like like you said, those numbers were there, and so I, this was a Mel Kiper pick that I kind of you know. Did the did the little like Labrador like look up? <laughs> like, really? like what? No, oh, I agree okay. with you. That, I read that before we went on the show, and I was like, "That's an astute observation." Because you are right. That was the red. Oh, Joey Porter. He doesn't have any. He only has one career interception. Uh, he can't. He you you can't. I'm not so sure about him. He can't do that. The job in the NFL. You need more interceptions. Laster. Oh no, wait. That guy. That guy didn't get targeted a whole lot. And maybe, maybe it's possible that it's because they've learned their lesson from Joey Porter Jr. And they're like, you know what? Let's let, let's not fall for that because Joey Porter Jr. was one of the best uh, rookie corners of, of of this past draft class. Um, and you're right. Uh, on the season, looking at here. Sorry, just making sure I have my accurate numbers. He was targeted 39 times. Laster, that is. Um, and he allowed 15 completions. Um, for a total of 136 yards. So you're telling me that this man in an entire season allowed just 136 yards total. That's insane. He also had five pass breakups. Uh, When you're only targeted less than 40 times, that's a good thing. You take that. And and I haven't studied Kamari Lasseter in depth. Like, again, we're still in the early process. I'm still learning from all the different you know, different tapes that are available out there. One thing I like about Lasseter was that he was very good at – when I when when it's man to man, it's you and me, and you're right in front of me. He was locked in. He wasn't looking back at the quarterback. He wasn't doing. He was so technical, and he would and and the things that I've the clips that I've seen of him, I've seen him like lock onto a guy, stay in his hip pocket. When the hands go up, his hands go up with theirs, and he's able to break up passes that way. Um, if he is as advertised, him and Porter on the outside would be huge problems for teams because. These are guys that can run with people. Now, I will say Lasseter, you're right, at six foot, he's kind of against the prototype the Steelers started to build last year with Porter and Trice and then even getting Darius Rush uh, in the middle of the season. Uh, But you're okay with that. You're okay with that if if they're able to play through that kind of stuff. You know, Cam Sutton wasn't really tall, but he was was really good at his his job. I I like Lasseter. I think he'd be a heck of a pick as, as well. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, what corners fall to them in the first round, because there's also a lot of big names at that position. When you look at um, at just at just how that that position plays out um, in the in the draft, you know, I think everyone's looking at Cooper DeGene or everyone's looking at Kool-Aid McKinstry. Everyone's looking at Nate Wiggins. Everyone's looking at um, at Terry and Arnold. And then, you know, you're also throwing in Lasseter. I think Lasseter's on the back end of those guys, but still like. I think Lasseter would be a heck of a pick. I think the only shame is the Steelers can't, you know, just trade Chase Claypool and get another 32nd overall pick this year because that would be the prime spot to get a, a Kamari Lasseter, I think, in this draft. Yeah, you led in well to my next question, Chris, which is just just the way things are shaping up. It, it almost this draft almost feels kind of like everything the Steelers would have wanted in the last draft when they had those two picks. Yeah. Um, you know, and 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 is is it frustrating that they do don't have that second round pick this season because I mean, every team would like to have the the, t- the pick at the right. top of the second round. Um, but is there any chance that they say, "Hey, we'd like to get back into that range, and, and we're willing to make moves to to get there because we think we might be able to get two major assets for our future again"? I just don't know if they have the piece to move that they would want to do that with. Like, like Chase Claypool, like when that happened, everyone in Pittsburgh, we were like, "The Bears did what?" Like, I just, it is very rare for an organization to be that 
irresponsible. Like I'll just say that. Like 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 I the, it's kind of like a it's kind of like a fool me once shame on you shame on me I mean fool me twice shame or no fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me. The Bears ain't falling for that, and I'm, I doubt the other teams will fall for that. Now I will say this: Deontay Johnson entering the final year of his veteran deal could be intriguing to the Steelers because they could be like. They could be like, hey, you know what? Someone wants this really good route runner who's been pretty solid for us for years. If you think that you're on the cusp of of winning, uh, and you have a, a a quarterback that needs a playmaker, you know, maybe maybe Patrick Mahomes wants one. Maybe the Panthers want one. Maybe you can get a second round pick that way. I just don't think that that's that, but that's that's going to work though because uh, Johnson's like 28. So like whoever's going to be draft, you know, want you know trading a high a, you know, a higher draft pick for him would be in a win now mode. And those are probably teams that are drafting towards the bottom of a round. Um, so I, I just don't think you get that kind of an asset, but also I'll say this, the Steelers scored last year with the, with, the, with all those big Broderick Jones, high grades, uh, Keanu Benton, high grades, Joey Porter Jr. High grades, even Darnell Washington, Nick Herbig, really good you know, th- third, fourth round picks uh, that, that, that I think you look at there. So, I think the Steelers did a, a pretty good job with those guys. Um, but certainly you'd love to double up on that if you could. Um, but I think that even so, like, you know, you got the 20th pick, the 52nd pick, the 84th pick, you got two fourth rounders back to back right now. Um, that's a good place to pick. That's, that's a good place to work with here. I think that in the second round, that is a good sweet spot for one of these centers that they, they, they really like Jackson powers, Johnson, Zach Frazier of, of West Virginia. Um, I think either one of those guys would be a win in the second round. Um, and it, it just, it'll just be a question. What do they get in the first round? Because if they get an offensive tackle and then a center, your offensive line's good. You don't need to probably reinvest back in that unless either of these guys turn out to be complete busts. Uh, but I, I like their profiles just from the little bit that I've seen. The question will then be, if you do that, where do you go in the third round? Do you go get a linebacker? Do you go to get an outside corner? Do you go get a safety? Because then by then you've now missed out on all the McKintry, the, you know, the, and the guys, the, uh, um, you know, the Lassiters and those types of guys. So now you're going to be looking for like more mid-round guys that you're hoping can develop into stars. So it's it's a tough thing. You, you're going to have to pick your poison here, but also this might get settled by if the Steelers are aggressive in free agency towards one of those positions. Like uh, a lot of people are linking Legereus Sneed, cornerback for the Chiefs. He's going to be hitting free agency. A lot of people expect the Chiefs not to be able to pay him. Um, and if he's a guy that you sign in free agency, you don't need a first round cornerback because you have Porter and then you'll have him. And then you can take a fourth or a full fourth round pick at corner and say, like, hey, you're going to develop. Or you can wait for see what happens with Corey Trice, because there were a lot of good things said about him before he got his, his ACL torn in training camp. So um, all that to say, I, I like Lassiter. I like what they're doing, what, what they're doing there. Um, but I think the Steelers. I think they still want to get tougher in the trenches because if they can get that done, it's going to make so much of everything else easier in the coming years. Yeah, I, I think that's the beginning of the project, and and you try to fill out some of those other spots that we mentioned in, in later rounds. And I think that's what's been missing from the last several Steelers draft classes before this last one is that they don't have the depth that, that they need because they missed on on a lot of guys um, in those in those depth rounds and and. That's that's why it's important that they start hitting on on more of them moving forward with Omar Khan. Um, Chris, I'll get you out of here on this. Terry and Arnold got mocked to the Steelers. Um, I, I believe it. I forget who 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 made that choice, but um, they described Terry and Arnold as the most complete corner in the draft. Do you think there's any chance the the most complete corner in the draft drops to twenty? You know, I, I think there's a chance that if people value other things like Cooper DeJean from. Uh, 
from from Iowa. There's some people that really love him. And if he's picked early and then maybe like Kool-Aid McKinstry and Nate Wiggins go early on, maybe Terry Allen Farmer falls to the Steelers, you know, because like when there's deep classes at, at so many positions, like offensive tackle, what if there's a running offensive tackle and quarterback uh, and, and those and those other three guys go at corner? Then you have a situation where maybe Terry Arnold gets to you. Because say like, let's say four offensive tackles, four quarterbacks, three cornerbacks are chosen. So that's four, four, that's 11 picks already. So you only need nine more picks elsewhere. You're going to get a few receivers in there. You're going to get, you know, you're going to get some, some, you know, maybe Jazan Newton, you're going to get some other players in there. So there's a chance that Arnold could fall to you. But like you said, I, I, I'm not, I wouldn't be banking on that if I'm the Steelers. I think Terry, if Terry Arnold's there, the Steelers need to run to the podium and get that guy, because I think that he's also, he's a little different than Porter in the sense that this guy he he's a guy who can can create more of the turnovers like if you had him and porter porter would be the guy that don't throw it his way because it just won't be open arnold be the guy don't throw it his way because he'll find a way to pick it and you might get him on like a big player here or there but i think that you know those would be it that would be a dangerous one-two punch at corner which in today's nfl are cornerstones of defenses like you know a big part of what everyone points to miles garrett for the browns but the big difference for that defense is greg newsom and denzel ward on the outside and they make it they make it possible for the browns can be just so aggressive with their blitzes much like Pitt likes to play with their defense in leaving their corners on islands and letting their their, their pass rushers rush that's what the browns would do and if the steelers had that i think that's one of the reasons people say why do the steelers not blitz as aggressively it's because you know what you know you got tj watt and alex highsmith winning a lot on edge rushes and you also know that your corner you had a rookie starting at corner levi wallace patrick peterson you want to give those guys as much assistance because that can if you leave them on islands too much you're going to get torched a lot but if you get a guy like an arnold like a lassiter to pair with porter and you find other safeties that you think work well with minka fitzpatrick you could be in a position where you're like you know what you guys you can win one-on-one now that now you're going to have to not just deal with tj watt rushing off by himself and just Taking, taking everyone by himself. Now you're going to deal with complex blitz schemes that include the, the guy that's been leading in the NFL in sacks for three out of the last four years or whatever. You know, so I, I think an Arnold would be great. I just don't know if he falls that far. Corners do go at a premium. Heck, Joey Porter Jr. did fall to the end of the first round, but there were a lot of corners taken ahead of him that I think people weren't expecting to go ahead of him uh, because of evaluations. But again, it's very early in the process. We've never, we haven't seen anyone's pro days yet. We haven't seen the senior bowl yet. We haven't seen uh, the draft, con- the combine yet. We haven't seen interviews yet. There's a long way to go before we determine our final order of where guys rank. Arnold, I like what I've seen so far. Still haven't watched a whole lot of full full games of him, but I think there's potential uh, for sure there to be a first round pick if he were to fall as far as to 20. Yeah, Chris, it, you're you're right. It's so early, and and we're gonna have Ray Fittipaldo down at the Senior Bowl soon. He's gonna have lots of intel. I'm sure you're gonna have him on the North Shore Drive podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna want to have him on this mock draft video. So. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to the channel so so you don't miss any of that as, as things start to heat up in the evaluation period and maybe some of these early perceptions start to move a little bit. Um, make sure you're signed up. If you enjoyed this video, please like it. Help us out in the YouTube algorithm. We always appreciate that. Um, and Chris, thanks for stopping by. Good, good first chat between you and me. I'm looking forward to doing more of these. Absolutely. All right. Take care, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all of the sports coverage the Post-Gazette has to offer, visit post-gazette.com.